Hello and welcome to Head and Heart, a Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. My name is Katie and I'm here with my best friend and co-host Frankie. Hey guys! <laughs> Hello everyone! So sorry it's been so long since we last recorded and posted an episode. We had one but it turned out unusable and the audio was all corrupted, which was unfortunate. Yeah. But we were inspired to record a new episode today because the first three chapters of Stellar Luna are out! Woo! Woo! Yeah, we both read them today, and then uh, I just spent the last 40 minutes scrolling through the Tumblr tag uh, just to see who's talking about it and everything. (laughs) And no one is. No, I saw people talking about it. Oh, really? I couldn't find anyone. Maybe it's all hidden under spoilers. Really? Uh, Maybe? I don't know. I I just scrolled. I just scrolled and uh, scrolled long enough to find them. Um, but most people are agreeing. The biggest thing I've seen, Katie, it's hilarious. We, the first thing Katie sent me, she read it before I did. The only thing she sent me, because she knows I don't like spoilers, but this was funny. She sent me just the Sophie being like, um, this is too cruel. The council wouldn't do something that cruel. (laughs) Everyone, everyone is in agreement that that is the dumbest thing that's ever come out of her mouth. Every oh post my I've gosh. Seen. Okay. So, for context, for context, for those <laughs> of you who have not read this chapter, first of all, go and do it. They're actually yeah. really good. I really enjoyed the start to the book. But second, <laughs> so basically, Sophie and Dex are talking about Keith and his newfound ability and how if you don't want the council might go use read it. it. Now. If you yes. don't want spoilers, go away now. Sorry yes, to cut you off. Exactly. I just, no, it's I needed okay. to give the warning. Yes. Absolutely. No, so Sophie and Dex are talking about Keith's new ability to sense people's abilities and potentially uh, manifest them. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how the council might use that to their advantage, even against Keith's will. And Sophie goes... I don't know. I don't think the council would. It was hard to imagine the council ever doing anything so cruel. And I'm like, the circlet! You literally had a torture device placed over your head by these people in book three. What do you mean that's too cruel for them? (laughs) Just the laws the council enforces in general. Like the eugenics, basically, they enforce. Like, (laughs) like, uh, they definitely are cruel enough. Quick disclaimer. Um, if you notice, I am talking with a bit of a slur, a bit of a speech impediment, and sound a little weird. That is because I recently developed Bell's palsy. I'm not going to explain what it is. It isn't serious. I've had blood work done and been checked to make sure it wasn't anything more serious, because there can be bigger things connected to it. But everything is fine. But, yeah. So it affects your speech, basically. Um, it has to do with the muscles and nerves in your face. It's a whole thing. So, yeah, that's why I might sound a bit weird. So please be uh, forgiving of my weird speech. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I did want to give that disclaimer because they're going to be like, why is she slurring and like sounding all weird all of a sudden? Is she drunk while recording this? (laughs) No. No, I'm not. I promise. That would be funny and chaotic and awful if we ever get drunk and record (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know. (laughs) Oh, it would be tangent after tangent, but it would be hilarious. (laughs) It would be hilarious, but... Uh. So, Frankie, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Uh, how'd I know you were going to say that? Uh, you, I'm, I'm predictable, what uh, can I say? Yeah. Um, you're a little more chaotic. You're a little harder to pick, you know, peg down, but I'm, I'm a very predictable human being. You know uh-huh. what's going to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, what did you think of these opening chapters? Um... I was just, usually when I'm reading a Keeper's book, I get geared up to read, like, 500 plus pages, and so knowing there are only three chapters, I tried to contain myself because I didn't want to get too, like, disappointed when it ended, so I kept a very, like, calm, level-headed approach to these three chapters, and I was like, you're not allowed to, like, freak out over anything. You have to just chill. But I thought they were very enjoyable. Um, Obviously, we don't know anything really yet about the book. The first three chapters, all we know is they're looking for Keith, which we already suspected. So it doesn't really give away anything, which is great. You just know that Sophie, this is what I wanted. I wanted it to be fast-paced in the fact that, like, they're looking for Keith right away that will probably be interrupted. She'll probably be sent somewhere else to do something else. But this is what I wanted from that standpoint of, oh, we're not wondering where Keith is for 50 to 100 pages. Like, she knows. She's aware. Everyone is aware. They're on it. Like, so I'm very happy that that was not a drawn out, like, plot line of, like, oh, shall we, should we go get Keith? What should we do? No, Sophie was like immediately, so I'm going to go get him. Which I'm I don't not know giving if I agree you a with. choice. Right. I don't know if I agree with her, but I like that she's doing it anyway because I think it's very in character. So Right, for, for story and character purposes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm with you, to be honest. I don't have any difference. Like differentiating opinion. Oh my gosh, that's a hard word to say. This is my. <laughs> I'll say it for you. Differentiating opinions. Opinions. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that came out horribly. <laughs> um, okay. Oh goodness, this is why we haven't been recording because I've been dealing with this, but we just had to cover this for you guys. So I'm gonna suck it up. They so, can suck it up too. They love us. Yeah, inside. they can. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I can't cocky. control it, uh... but. In all seriousness, back to back to the topic. Um, I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed the chaotic feeling of them. I think it's a really good sort of aftermath of a cliffhanger kind of feeling to start up with. Very chaotic, yes. Yes. It's rapid, just bam, bam, bam. A lot happens in this three chapters, actually. A lot of conversations happen. They go to three different places. Yeah. Within the first three chapters, they go to we three different We have a whole conversation spaces. with Dex. We have a whole conversation with Lord Cassius. She's Elwin. already about to go into his mind. We see Elwin. It's like rapid fire. And I enjoy that. I think it showcases the chaos of the aftermath of a disruption and big decision mm-hmm. like this. I, and I really, I think the vibe fits. I think it's a really strong 
start to the book to get the ball rolling plot wise I think it's in character for Sophie to be acting the way that she is beyond the council comment mm-hmm. um which just frustrated <laughs> yeah. the heck it's, out of me it's it, it's true because it's like you know like even though she's become like more tuned with the council in the last two books and even though they've been working together more she should not be forgetting no like, all the absolutely questionable i have questionable and ear quotes uh yeah because you should not be forgetting everything they have done that is just not smart and inhumane it's so frustrating <laughs> i can't believe one line ticked the whole fandom off like that i don't know why in edit someone wasn't like Shannon, maybe you want to remove this line because she absolutely does know why they would be cruel enough to do this. I don't know why no one saw that yeah. line and was like, you just made cut this. <laughs> How many just times like a they- little reminder, like, Shannon, I know you're mapping this whole thing out. I know you may have forgotten, but you had to counsel torture this girl. In book three, maybe cut this out. <laughs> the council has used children multiple times. Like, not like they've used Sophie, they've used Dex, they're currently using Stina, Wiley. Like, they have used children as a mean to an end multiple times in a way that's different, even from the Black Swan. There's like no protection. I don't know. It's like. I- the line was stupid and shouldn't have been in there. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone agreed. off. Everyone, everything I saw on Tumblr, at least in each post, it was, what was this line? Because it doesn't make sense. And the other big thing to come from, so I actually, I really loved the conversation with Lord Cassius and mm-hmm. the critique of his parenting from Roe in particular. Well, I thought that was fantastic. That. We love Roe in general over here. She's a badass. I'm going to say the word. <laughs> um, it's a minor swear. We can say yeah. it, right? I just love yeah. anyone calling him out. Like, no matter who it is, anyone calling him out makes me so happy. I want to see Grady do it one day, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And I would honestly be surprised if that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, as being such a dad and, like, getting a soft spot for Keith in particular now... I feel like it's going to happen. I mean, I it might not, just because she hasn't really pitted parents against each other. Like, at all. Even when Alden was doing questionable things, Grady never really, like, y- like they never got in confrontation. Like, maybe a couple times, but she's never really had the parents of the kids, like, confront each other about these sort of things. Even Alden was never confrontational with Cassius. He was just... uh like, well, maybe you should give Keith some leeway. But he never really confronted him about it. I don't know. I hope it happens, but I don't know if she's going to do it. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, of course, and arguably the most important thing for me and many other shippers is all the so Keith. <sighs> Sophie, girl. I've said this before. You sent me this line when she yeah. was like, could he mean what I think he means? And it's like, Sophie! Girl. You know what he means. I am Remfris- ref. Now I can't talk. Great. <laughs> We're both just going to be babbling. <laughs> Girl, it- I am referencing the scene where after Ro reads the no and Ro being the number one key so Keith Shipper she is, is like, Sophie, do you realize what this means? And Sophie's like rereading it and then she's like, well, she hadn't considered it because everything was so crazy, but 
it almost sounded like, no, could it be? Oh, maybe no. And it's just like, I think I, I think I did the exact same thing I just did, Katie, for everyone who can't see me, which is all of you. I, I just facepalmed. Le- like, yeah, legitimately, face legitimately, yeah. like, facepalmed, pretty much. And Palm that's what face. I did when I was reading. Because uh, sh- <laughs> I don't even know how to, like... <laughs> We're just in yeah. in. <laughs> like, yes, Sophie. Yes. Which he has made abundantly clear to you. Like, I don't care if he hasn't said it out loud. I do not care. He has made it abundantly clear about his feelings towards her. And she knows. She knows. I refuse to admit that she hasn't known this whole time. I refuse. She's known. She's known. She knew about all the boys. Maybe not Fitz or Keith around book five, but since then, she knows, okay? She's not this oblivious. <laughs> and I just, those lines, I'm like, Sophie, God, I know you know this deep down. Just put the pieces together already. <laughs> Another thing I really like is that we're crossing, you know, we're in the end game, we're in the last two books. We're Mm -hmm. crossing into the realization territory and the not-so-subtle territory when it comes to Sokeith already in the first chapters of this book. And that's a jump that needed to be made in this book for them to become Endgame by the final book, I think. So I'm really glad that she's setting that up. And it all but confirms it as canon at this point, to be honest. Yeah, I completely understand your point. But the thing for me is that, and I get what you're saying, but the thing for me is that it hasn't been subtle for, like, three books now. Now it's just punching you in the face. Like, the last couple books have been a shove. This is a square, like, punch in the jaw, and that's what Mm. needs to happen, apparently. Yeah, I'm talking, I agree that it hasn't exactly been subtle for quite some time, but I'm talking, like, relatively. Yeah. This is less subtle than even the not-subtle stuff from before. This is Annabeth and Percy in book four, Annabeth kissing him under a volcano. That's the vibes that we are going to get in this book from Sokeef. It's going to be like a that sort of thing where somehow they're still not dating by the end of the book, but, they, but they've but they made feelings clear. Like, that's the path we're headed down. We're headed down book four, Percy and Annabeth, where the feelings are pretty much laid out on the table, but for some unknown reason, they're not going to get together at the end of this book. That oh is gosh, they are going to get the early book five Percibeth angst. Which I'm like... okay with, because I love book five Percibeth. <laughs> Me too, to be honest. I, I want to... I... Okay, okay. I'm going to draw a comparison here. Because we are approaching season four of The Dragon Prince. And <laughs> Little Miss Rayla has oh, left so Callum for over... Two years she has left him. She left him on his birthday. I haven't read the books. I didn't know this. but I Yeah, she left. Ah. And she's been gone missing for two years. To find her parents, right? She must have done it to find her parents. And to keep everyone else safe because she's a target of virance. Well, everyone's a target of virance. (laughs) I... Oh, by the way, Dragon Prince spoiler... (laughs) I can't oh. already ruin that. But, but, <laughs> I want there to be some angst in that reunion. Mm-hmm. I, I joke, I like, <laughs> I made a post that kind of blew up where um, I was joking about Callum and, pretend, and potential breakup song by Ali and AJ. Because, you know, she left on his birthday. So it was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> on my birthday. My stupid, my stupid birthday. birthday. <laughs> the non-explicit version. Um, yes. <laughs> but, which is an explicit version now, so. Which is, oh yeah, I've heard it. Um, but no. <laughs> no um, so, basically, the comparison I'm drawing here is I want some angst in these reunions. I, like, if, first of all, if you haven't watched The Dragon Prince... Go watch The Dragon Prince. Um, Come back and listen to this when you know what we're talking about. It's a great show. Maybe give it a couple episodes. Maybe give it a whole season. Season two or three are immaculate. Just watch but, um, the whole thing. It's so good. Watch the show. Watch the show. But um, anyway, I this is another thing I saw on Tumblr um, when I was just scrolling. Um, and I'm not, like, knocking this post. I'm saying that it's just funny to me, because someone mentioned I'm how so they were- I'm so sorry, but Frankie, I just realized that the Dragon Prince season 4 is coming out in November, just like Stellar Loon. All this angst is going to break me. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when fandoms overlap, because then I don't have I time know. to just chill Space with one of out, them. please. So I can, you know, oh, oh my gosh. Anyways, what were you Anyways, saying? I saw, well, now I'm defeated, but no, I saw a post on Tumblr, and I'm not disagreeing with this post. I'm just, I found this funny, and I agree with it to some extent. Someone said something along the lines of, um, I'm sick of the love triangle. And I just started laughing because in my head I was like, I would be sick of it if I thought of it as a love triangle. Because I do not... It just has never felt like a real love triangle to me. No! Because to me, the answer has been staring everyone in the face since book four. Like, you can argue book one, book two, book three, that, yeah, okay, like, whatever. Book four, I feel like there is... If you... Have Once the books like, get bigger, like you know yeah. how there's a big jump in length from book yeah. three to book four, that's when it starts taking like two to three days to reread one of the books yeah. compared to one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not a at love that triangle. point after there is no question. If you understand books and you understand characters, I don't see how you can read like, especially after book five. I'll even give you a pass on book four because there's. So fits moments in book four that are still like cute and whatever. But if you get to like book five and pass that and you still think this is gonna be a love triangle, it just isn't because I don't care that she and Fitz go out. I don't care that they kiss. Like I don't care. Blah 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 blah. It they still haven't. is not it's it still isn't a love triangle to me. Because there's just they such haven't a bl- even they barely officially dated. They never right. even kissed. You're right, I did forget they never even kissed. But my point is that I don't care that all that happens because to me this is still not a love triangle because to me there's a glaringly obvious way that this is going to be resolved and it isn't a love triangle because Fitz was never in the running so this is not a love triangle to me and that is resolved by Dex and Fitz being gay (laughs) (laughs) I one of our comments that I always think of when we talk about Dex and Fitz someone who commented on our podcast thank you I love you you're amazing. But they did comment. They said, oh, although I can't stand FedEx, which is the Dex uh, Fitz ship name, one of them. They were like, I still care about you guys. I think about it every time we bring them up because that person must be so sick of us by now. And are just rambling so on about sorry. FedEx. 
I'm not sorry. I am a little bit, but not really. <laughs> I ship it. I should listen. I ship it like FedEx. I ship uh, FedEx. That's why like it's FedEx. called FedEx. That's why it's called FedEx. But, that's um, why no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to get back to Seller Loon, a point that like no, actually the real hardcore shipping is Amazon Prime. Listen, they deliver yeah. in like one business day. They do their best. They're the best. But anyway, okay, back to Seller Loon. Uh, so. Here's the thing, okay? It is in character for Sophie. And I'm glad she's doing this because it's in character for her. I wouldn't like it if she wasn't. It would feel weird. Her, but (laughs) she is so insistent upon the fact that, of course, Keith is going to mess this up. I need to go after him. And everyone around her except Roe is being like, Sophie, I actually think he needs to do this. And she isn't listening to anyone which like i said i'm happy it moves the plot forward it's in her character but if it wasn't moving the plot forward this would be irritating the heck out of me because it's like sophie you do not know everything like he is terrified right now he 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 needed to do this he needed to do real life yeah if this was real life if this wasn't necessary for there to be a story right this would be frustrating Right, it's not frustrating me because I know it needs to be there for there to be a story and because it is very in character for her. But if I was, like, Grady, let's say, and, like, she's this insistent and she's like, no, Keith's gonna get in trouble. He's gonna get, he has no idea what he's doing. He's done this without thinking. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I think he probably put some thought into this. And Grady, he says something along those lines where he's like, I think he's thinking about this, Sophie. He jumped to a forbidden city after having so many different um, abilities being unlocked that are dangerous. And he doesn't want to endanger anyone. I think we all know why he's doing this. Because he doesn't want to put the whole elf world in danger. It's like he has thought this through a little bit. Yeah, he doesn't know anything about the human world. But as far as getting away from the elf world, that's not a dumb idea right now to go high. I think Sophie is stuck on the much more impulsive, immature Keith that she initially, I'm mm-hmm. going to say, fell in love with because I think she did fall in love with him and just doesn't yeah. accept it or realize it. She realizes, but accept it yet. Yeah. She's still stuck on that. She hasn't realized that Keith has matured through all that he's been through mm-hmm. and is actually, excuse me, and is actually logically thinking this through much more than he would have in the past. In some ways, he's more mature than Sophie now. As Sophie was, like, saying all this about how he's reckless and he, he, he doesn't really think, I was like, ah, you're reverting back to what you were doing in, like, book five, book six, and it makes sense, but also, like, it, Keith feels like he has matured more. Than she yeah. has, and in there some is ways. a big difference between the book five, book six era age of the characters and yeah. the book eight era of the characters. Mm-hmm. They mature a lot by book eight. It's really a turning point towards the older end of the series. You know, the last third of the series or so, mm-hmm. and. Sophie is still acting like it's book four with that poor broken boy who needs help with all the notes in his bedroom. Which when is realistic, but it's understandable. Yeah. Which is why you don't hate her for it. Right. But you have to let him be independent and you have to let him grow. And yeah. this wasn't an impulsive decision. He didn't run off the second that, you know, he discovered his ability and that 
hospital room. Right. He thought he tried. Lot. Yeah, he tried. So it's I get where you're coming from. It's frustrating, but it's also like I said, and like you said, in character and yeah. very much um a Sophie Foster thing to do, championing her friends and going after her friends and everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's even starting to realize that how the adults view her and Keith and how yeah. her dad views Keith as different for a reason. And she's starting to realize what that reason is and that there might be something to it. Yeah, because we've also said this before, that Grady treats Keith differently. We said this specifically in the last episode we recorded that you guys didn't get to hear because of the audio function but we went in depth on Grady and Keith and how Keith views Grady how Grady views Keith um and we will re-record it by the way we will come back to that topic once my Bell's palsy is over with it's a temporary thing Mm -hmm. so once my speech is back to normal we will start consistently recording again like I said this is just a special circumstance because new content came out Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he, we talked about it there. We've talked about it before how Grady views Keith differently. He treats him differently than the other boys in her life because he can tell. And Sophie got a glimpse of that in the first chapter when she's talking to Grady and she's like, You've always treated him differently. And Grady doesn't really say why, but he hints at it again. And she's got to start picking up on it soon, especially with the whole Roe, Elwin, Sandor thing hearing the note and she's looking around and Sandor's looking at his feet and Elwin's like not meeting her eyes and she's like wait a second she's realizing that they all know what Ro is talking about like you said she's realizing the adults realize what's going on and that they're aware of it and that's making her very aware of it and uncomfortable I wish I don't want her to be uncomfortable about it I want her to realize it but I don't want her to be like you know have everyone staring at her as she's going through teenage angst hormones you know what I mean right right and I don't want her to feel pressured into it either like right Everyone, all the adults like this, so it must be the right thing. Like, no. I don't think she would feel pressured. And if anything, she'd rebel and go the opposite way if she felt pressured. But I don't True. think that would happen either. <laughs> that would be the Sophie thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just walks back up to Fitz. It's like, hi. <laughs> oh, I-, <laughs> I hope not. Okay. I'm not worried about it. I also no, me neither. Especially after, especially if I wasn't, if I was like 95% sure before or even 99, I'm 99.999 infinite ninth percent sure that's happening now after these chapters. They gave Keith his own chapter as a side story. They gave him a whole book as a side story. You know who they do that with? (laughs) The person the main character ends up with in this sort of situation when there's a Fair love point. triangle happening. When there's a love triangle happening and the author chooses, I know I just said it's not a love triangle, but let's just use the terminology. When there's a love triangle happening and the author chooses to focus on one of those characters, when the author chooses to focus on one point of that love triangle one of the two love interests and writes a whole book about them and writes a whole chapter of a side story about how they feel about the character usually they're the one that's going to end up with the character so i'm really not worried about it 
That's the point I was trying to get across. Yeah, and your point about the love triangle is totally valid because in this sense, in this function, it is mm-hmm. a love triangle in the sense that it's a uh, there's multiple choices and multiple yeah. ships that come out of this. It's just it's not a pure love triangle in the sense that it's really it's a competition. Tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you think of love no, triangles, absolutely you think agreed. of you think of Gail and Peta. You think of um, Twilight. Uh, I wasn't gonna say Twilight. Not that uh, I ever read that, but <laughs> Will Harrendale and Jem Carstairs. Like yeah. those are the love triangles yeah. you think of, where you genuinely don't always know who's gonna end up with who, and both characters have their merits and blah 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 blah. But yeah, that's what I meant by that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. We haven't talked about Elwyn and Roe having a battle over Elwyn's stuffies, which I think <laughs> was just, it has no plot value at all, but I think it was just perfect seeing Elwyn, who is just usually seen as like, you know, kind of That's serious, what I love about the series, though, and the fact that it's character-driven, which we've talked about on the podcast yeah. in the past. But that's one of the things I love about it is that you get this like padding of cute, just pure character moments. Mm-hmm. Like he's just got these stuffies that you know he hands out to all the kids, and he's always talking about it. And Rose trying to stab these stuffed animals, and he's not letting her. And he's got <laughs> potions hanging overhead, and I was just like, same. If someone tried to go after all my stuffies, it would be like death. It would be death oh, right yeah. then and there. Don't touch my stuffed Nala. From the Lion King that I've had since I was three years old. Like, you will go down in flames. Oh, I have many, many koalas. I have a bait from the Dragon Prince. I have a toothless. I have a minion. I have I a got whole her the bunch toothless. of stuff. Yeah, she, you did. <laughs> I got her the toothless for her birthday. <laughs> I think I it was your it. 18th. I think it was your 18th birthday. It was a but, while ago. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, uh, and I also, I saw an interesting theory, actually, about Elwyn. That I okay. might as well bring up now. What day, um, Sophie's dad? Because a lot of people think that. No, I've already brought that theory up on here before. No, this is um, it's a theory that Elwyn is actually an ancient, and you just can't see his ears because he has really long hair in the books. But he, it's oh. the fact that people said that like there was a post on Tumblr. That's where I got this from, and it was like. Why do they always go to Elwyn? Like, everyone. The counselors, the Black Swan, everyone goes to Elwyn when he's supposedly just, like, a school doctor. Why wouldn't they go to a more experienced healer? And there was another thing that mentioned, and he's never surprised about world events. He mentioned seeing um, Ravagog before it was Ravagog once, which happened, like, 4,000 years in the elf times ago. So it's like, so a lot of people were like, could he be an ancient? I mean, it doesn't really matter if he is, but it would just be really cool. Interesting. If he is. I like that. He seems so childlike in some ways. Like, he seems so serious at times, but then he also has, like, a bubbly, like, quirky personality. It reminds I think- me of the Doctor. Especially yeah, the Eleventh Doctor. I knew you were going to say the Eleventh Doctor, because you're obsessed with that man, but... <laughs> no, I'm obsessed with the Tenth Doctor. You're obsessed with the Tenth Doctor, you're right. You're obsessed with the Tenth Doctor. <laughs> I love David Tennant, okay? <laughs> She's been a ten-row shipper since before I knew her, and that's oh a while. Oh my gosh, yes, quite but, a while. But uh, yeah, so I just thought I'd mention that um, headcanon, since uh, we were talking about Elwyn. 
I like it. And is there anything else you'd like to talk about the chapters? Yeah, no, I think Lord Cassius... <sighs> Someone mentioned a redemption arc for him. I just don't want one. I think we might get one, but I just personally do not want a redemption I don't arc think we're getting man. one. I'm going to disagree there. I think we might. Not a full-on redemption arc. I, but then, I think like, we're going to get a... I think we're going to delve into his character more and get more yeah. understanding of his actions, but I don't think it's going to come in the form of a redemption. That's I what think I meant. He's like, very much going to be condemned by the other characters. Yeah, that's what I meant more. Like, I feel like we're going to dwell delve into him more and and understand him more, and through that, like, there might be sympathy for him. But my point is, I just don't want the sympathy for him. Like, I, I don't care at this point about the sympathy for him, I guess. Is as long as the characters in the context of the novels don't forgive him, especially Sophie and obviously Keith, yeah. I, I'm i fine with it, honestly. Yeah. And I don't think they will. I think they will hold him accountable, so. Good. But yeah, I think that's... I don't think there was anything else we... Oh, oh, Sophie. I felt so bad for Dex. I will say that. I felt oh, I know. So bad Crying for Dex. For his, for his brother. And they're all pressuring the poor boy, and I understand why, but I this know. was another time where I was annoyed. I was a little annoyed at Ro and Sophie, because I was like, can't you see he is about to break apart? I know you need to find Keith, but, like, can you chill and realize that another one of your friends is, like, in pain right now? Just chill out. And like let him. Yeah, I for a wish second. you would have acknowledged it. Yeah, he's in legitimate pain, and she's bulldozing over him. And Roe is worse. They're both like, and I get the panic and trying to find Keith, but it's like there was a much better way to handle that situation where Sophie's like, "Let's yeah. talk alone." Roe, get and the out thing of is, the room. Once again, it's understandable. It's in character, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's frustrating as an outside reader. And I felt Poor so Dex. bad for him. I, I felt know. so bad for him. But the thing is, I, I'm i not against him coming to him with a mission. Because mm-hmm. that very much helps Dex, I think, having projects to work on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I felt really bad. Yeah. I, I wish they would have acknowledged his pain. You know what I mean? And his... Mm-hmm. What his family's going through. I just feel like Dex always gets swept under the rug sometimes. He does. And I just feel so bad for him. Like, I don't know. And I don't mean his character gets swept under the rug. I I think Shannon Messenger writes him very well, where he he as a character doesn't get swept under the rug. But I feel like the other characters sweep Dex under the rug sometimes. That's what I meant by that. Like, he's pushed to the sidelines. Yeah. Well, that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and happy shipping, whatever you ship. (laughs) Happy shipping. We don't usually go for that one, but yes, happy shipping, whatever you ship. Yep, bye. Bye.